Hello, and welcome to Pender Fund's six-part mini-series on why there are tremendous opportunities in credit today. I'm Rita Sylvan, Director of Content Strategy, and joining me today are the team behind the newly launched Pender Credit Opportunities Fund, Parul Garg and Jeff Castle. This podcast is for information purposes only. It should not be viewed as investment advice or as an offer to buy or sell Pender's funds. Our funds are not guaranteed and any discussion of past performance is not an indicator of future results. Any opinions expressed are as of the date of this podcast and are subject to change. Pender may not necessarily share the opinions of our podcast guests. More important information can be found on our website, penderfund.com forward slash disclaimer. We'll start with you, Parole. So you've been investing since 2009, and you started working with Jeff on the Pender Corporate Bond Fund in uh, 2015. The Pender Corporate Bond Fund has been recognized with a Lipper Fund Award in both 2018 and 2019, and you have quite a lot of experience as a specialist in restructuring credits and recapitalization and in high-yield credit. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Jeff, you have 20 years of investing experience. You're the lead manager of the Pender Corporate Bond Fund. Uh, You joined Pender also in 2015, and you have a very long and successful career in um, working in uh, defaulted bond investing. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rita. Nice to be here today. Perul and Jeff, you've launched the Pender Credit Opportunities Fund recently, but you, in fact, have been investing in stressed and distressed credit since 2015. Now, we know that the investments in the stressed and distressed credits have been the largest contributor to the Pender Corporate Bond Fund. But tell us, why launch a specific distressed, stressed credit opportunities fund? Well, since 2015, Investing in stress and distress credit has been one of the huge part of a strategy investing in Pender Corporate Bond Fund. And since 2015, this strategy has contributed in overall Pender Corporate Bond Fund significantly. So over the last seven and a half years, we have gone through so many different workouts, restructuring, recapitalization, and we have created a lot of alphas to investing in this strategy. So we think given we have such a good expertise and proven track record, we believe that this is a very good time that this strategy comes out of its shadow and creates its own body so that the clients who are looking to have a good return in credit market, this strategy aligns pretty good in that respect. So, Parul, tell me about your expertise and Pender's expertise in this particular strategy. First of all, when we are saying new fund, but the strategy is not new. We are deploying this for last seven and a half years. And also, the strategy cannot be just you read the book and deploy it. It needs to be based on experience. Why Pender? Because this we are doing for last seven and a half years. It's not new. And we are doing again and again, like more than 407 securities we have done over in last three years. That's huge number. So yes, uh, in that way, Pender becomes unique. And another important part is this strategy will be based on an investment process, which has been 
following we are following that process for last seven more than seven years it has been reiterated so many times and just using that process to create alpha has been our secret sauce pendable is fully equipped for this fund to be launched and to perform in this sector so basically what you're saying is that your work the work that you and jeff have done in the corporate bond fund you basically for the last almost 8 years you've road tested this yeah. strategy in that fund and if i'm not mistaken it's actually been a very strong contributor to the yeah. fund's returns is that correct yes and so now separating this strategy out into its own fund is an opportunity for investors to enhance their yield right over the long yes. term is that one of the goals yes so the goal is the investors who want to seek uh, higher returns in a credit investments this is the strategy where you will find it it comes with a risk but when you take risk to reward ratio this strategy is in my view is the best basically yeah. my idea is just repeat and repeat we have done it we have done it Okay, thank you. Now, as we mentioned, the two of you been have been working together for many years. Jeff, tell us a little bit about the fund strategy and how you and Pearl work together as a team. Okay, uh, well, let me start with the the fund strategy. I mean, the idea is really to be pragmatic and to find securities which, as you look at the prices of security, the implied value of the company is a lot lower. Than we believe a kind of a worst case is, and so if you have an entity where you think worst case the company is worth a, let's say a billion dollars, and you have uh, let's say a first lien security where the implied valuation of the company is five hundred million dollars or less, or two hundred million dollars or whatever it is, then there may be some twists and turns along the way. I mean, companies that go through bankruptcy, it's not always uh, the straight and uh, most straightforward or simple path. To get your value, but over time you will deliver a pretty interesting value, particularly if you get these securities at you know fifty cents in the dollar or, or what you can. You know how uh, Parla and and I uh, work on this mandate or this mandate upcoming, and and how we have worked in, in the past. You know, I think uh, it's Parla is a bit of a hunter, <laughs> and uh, she hunts around a whole variety of different uh, sectors and markets. And we kind of take a look through uh, some of these things together. We obviously have other sources that we use. We we screen. We have you know various sort of legends of of credit that we have a phone call into from time to time. And we you know we do kind of have a sense of where the ideas uh, are that, that people find interesting. And so we we take this this big thing. Uh, Parle and I will sort of prioritize where to spend the efforts, and then you know her you know particular strength is being kind of really pushing to a value. And then often we are working together, and there was one right now where we're kind of uh, a situation where you're going through uh, a rather contested legal workout of a, of a bankruptcy, and, and we would definitely tag team uh, on that activity as well. So it's really, it is a sort of a team effort, and that's how we've always approached it and how we'll, we'll work things on the Credit Opportunities Fund. And just to add on that, the best thing working with Jeff for last seven and a half years is his experience like ex-Bain, ex-AIC, he has been in so many board. Really help us, like in bankruptcy or restructuring, you really have to 
approach the investment through probability, like what could be different outcomes. And when we sit together and, you know, gauge different scenarios, I think that is the, like a real proactive credit management we do and bring back maximum value to the our investments. So I think though, that is very unique uh, for our team, which I haven't seen in other teams like with peers, but that makes us pretty sharpy sharp. <laughs> A powerful duo. Now, Parul, maybe you could just take a moment and and explain how you define stressed credit and how you define distressed credit. Sure. So in layman terms, stress and distressed credit is a business facing a balance, balance sheet stress. For us, the opportunity is a good business having a bad balance sheet. Now, going into the technical terms of stress and distress. So, we believe stress technically is a performing credit where you are thinking to get the coupon, but it is going through some kind of turnaround and it just needs a helping hand from investors, maybe to extend the maturity or just to get more money to run the business. Usually we find these bonds are trading like at significant discount to the par, but also trading above 600 basis point over treasuries. So these are the names we will be focusing. Some catalysts like downgrade, rating downgrades also trigger the price disallocations. So those comes in the realm of stress. When we focus distress, it means Company need immediate attention to the balance sheet uh, restructuring, um, maybe through Chapter 11, through distressed exchange or some kind of restructuring. And these will be trading, these credit will be trading uh, more than 1,000 BEVs over the treasury, and they will be like very heavily discounted to the bar. So these are the two big kind of idea what is stress and distress credits are in the market for us. Thanks, Parul. So Jeff, what are some of the events that typically occur during a financial distress situation? Is there sort of a cascade of, of events that typically occur? Yeah, to, to start at the beginning, obviously a company takes on more debt than it ideally should have. And so it always starts from the point of view of a time when no one's worried about something and you make an acquisition that's maybe wrong or you do a, a share repurchase funded by debt that's that's wrong. And then things that management didn't forecast uh, come to fruition. Earnings and cash generation is a lot lower. And, and suddenly the debt that the investment bankers told the, uh, the high-yield bond managers uh, that the company could easily service becomes a lot more onerous. And so you'll see the gradual rise in a if you're measuring a statistical default probability, or you'll see uh, erosion uh, eventually in the price of uh, bond, and then you get to the point where people say you go bankrupt, you know, uh, slowly and then suddenly, right? And, and so you, you typically have an event, uh, often around the inability to refinance a, an obligation or something of that nature, and and suddenly it becomes clear that there has to be if you have a, a market that will not let you basically roll over your debt into new maturities, then the calculation becomes a lot more, 
what is this firm really worth in the event of default and sale? And, and you go through this, this process by which uh, often the company will try to negotiate in advance with, uh, with credit holders to exchange their, their debt or to do some sort of out-of-court uh, out restructuring. But you may get to the point where um, the company files Chapter 11. And, and from the point of view of filing Chapter 11, you don't really want to hold a bond from the far to the point where they file Chapter 11. But one of the less known secrets of the credit markets is that one of the highest returning categories in all of the capital markets, on a you know, statistical basis, is in senior unsecured bonds in the two years following a Chapter 11 filing. And so you have uh, typically a low price. Uh, at this point in time, sometimes creditors uh, get together in, in groups um, to negotiate a, a restructuring uh, agreement with, with the company. That typically involves transformation of what it would be a pure debt security into either a new debt security with the different characteristics or some combination of, of equity and, and take back debt. And then there's typically a, a long and winding path of people challenging or, or having different opinions in a, in a bankruptcy court. And ultimately, you get an emergence. Typically, there's an exit facility that comes along in, in the emergence, and, and then off you go. And, and the second part of that, that cycle is a lot happier from point of view of total return, just because you, you get, first of all, the, the debt load, the unsustainable debt load is lifted off the company. And the second, the, the, often the reason why the company becomes distressed in the first place is because of some sort of cycle that happens in their industry. And given enough time, cycles change, and you often get a, a, a double whammy of the cycle in that industry getting better at the same time that you've relieved the debt burden, and that could be a, a really nice thing for, for a credit investor. A question that comes to mind is when you're looking at these kind of chapter 11 uh, situations that may provide uh, outsized returns in the future, how do you and parole maintain your equanimity during those periods? How do you maintain high conviction? I'm glad you gave that a follow-up in terms of high conviction. I would not know how to, if I ever maintain my equanimity. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is really uh, one of the things that, that Parle does particularly well is keep tabs on what this entity is worth and really kind of, um, you know, we sort of both work through the model together. But that is, I think, having a sense of what this entity is really worth and how that worth is changing over time uh, is a very important part of the process. Parl, you probably have things to add here on that point. Um, yeah, so one thing works in our favor is, you know, when everyone is against or negative on a name, being optimistic on that name really works for us. So in bankruptcy, chapter 11 cases, you will be seeing the headlines hitting every negative sentiments as possible. There will be so many written up, you go, you will see so much write-ups. So that, like, that helps us to, like, understand, like, how bad it can be. And still, if we, and you can see in the prices, like, price move from, like, uh, hundred, like from par to eighty, then gapping down to sixty. And if the sentiments are like really bad, we have seen the situation where credit have traded in single or like teens, like seventeen cent per dollar or even like twelve cent per dollar kind of uh, situation. But what helps us is 
if whatever haircuts we have taken in the business value, if it's still still remain pretty solid and you for you know your margin of safety increases at lower dollar price so chapter 11 um, if you stay our conviction is like if you can get lower dollar price it just give you a better margin of safety against the business value but you have to isolate yourself from the market and do your real work because there's no like a peer exchanging or there's no analyst to follow. It's becomes a black hole in general. So your work will prevail on your conviction and that's what we are good at. So it really sounds like this is a classic case of separating the signal from the noise because I mean, in some cases you're saying there's no noise because it's just everything has gone dark. And in other cases, there's too much noise and you have to somehow just stay with the signal that this has a certain value and your margin of safety has gone up. Nobody can say better than that. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, let's leave it there for now and tune in to our next episode where Parul and Jeff will discuss the unique opportunity set in credit markets today. Thank you for listening. Penda is an independent, employee-owned investment firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. Our goal is to protect and grow wealth for our investors over time. To achieve this, we seek to understand the quality of a business or security, obtain more value than we are paying for, deploy capital in flexible mandates, and mitigate downside risk. We have a talented investment team of expert analysts, security selectors, and independent thinkers. They manage a suite of niche investment funds with active, concentrated portfolios of value-based, occasionally contrarian investments. We invest in our funds too. You can learn more at pendafund.com.